Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. How are you doing today? Uh, you're a little slow. Did you have too much to eat? Yeah, you try to eat your body weight uh, over uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, what a wonderful time of the year. And, and we all uh, approach this a little bit differently. By the way, if you're new, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. Welcome those watching in our other campuses online as well. Uh, one of the things around this time of year, you get to see who's really into the holidays. So we're going to just do a, a little bit of a survey here. How many of you already have your Christmas tree and Christmas lights up? Go ahead and raise your hand. Keep it high. Now, yeah. And now, how many of you uh, seen that like those people a little less now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why are you making it so hard on the rest of us? Uh, well, th this uh, Thanksgiving was a great holiday with family. Uh, I did a little shopping. Uh, by the way, if you work at Amazon, you're welcome. I uh, just want to say that. Also went to the mall, and uh, the mall was a unique experience. I tried to avoid uh, malls, but I always end up there on Black Friday. And as I was there, I went to Bell Square, and it was crowded and crazy. But you know, people at Bell Square in general, are, they're pretty nice everywhere except the parking structure. Yeah, so I went to the parking structure, my wife and I were there, and I'm pretty strategic. I'm like, okay, I'm going to drive all the way to the top and uh, get a parking space. I knew the Lord was with me because as we pull in, you know, sort of the aisle, you're looking for spaces. You ever do that thing where there's people walking with your bags and you're slowly driving behind them? Yeah, so I was doing that, and there's a young couple there, and uh, they were uh, loading into their car. Uh, they were being very careful. only took them 20 minutes or so. And uh, as they were there doing it, finally they start to pull out. And a guy, uh, you, know, you know this guy, right? Some of you are this guy, and you need to repent. So, uh, uh, so the guy who you start to see him sort of swerve this way around where the open parking space is. And right as he's doing that, he looks at me and I go. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I would throw down. I'm from Lakewood, brother, you know. So, uh, yeah, pastor arrested for hitting guy in a parking structure. Uh, but we got past that, really excited uh, about uh, the holidays. And there's something about this time of year with all the craziness that I think we look forward to. Uh, as we hit this first day of December and this new series called Finding Home. Even as, as you think about that, I hope it conjures in you what it does in me. This idea of that place of belonging, that place of security, that place of hope. And I, I hope that happens for you with family, wherever you are. I certainly here at church, but even more so with God. One of the things that's a little counterintuitive is as we talk about community, it's interesting, our culture has never talked about community and never been more divided than it is today. 
because we, we have this concept of what really creates community, and it just really doesn't work. There's something about when it's not about everything about me, but when I do what Jesus did, and I sort of, uh, not sort of, but where I lay down my life and my priorities for God's priorities, that I really find home. In fact, in the Bible it says, whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Really counterintuitive. And what if we, we get more when we give of ourselves more? The Apostle Paul put it this way, and this is in your outline if you want to take those out. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then James, uh, the brother of Jesus, he, he put it this way. He said, humble yourselves before the Lord and, and catch us. And he will lift you up. When it comes to uh, making it about others, our humility, often I think we get some, there's some misconceptions out there. Well, humble people are people who aren't very secure. Can I tell you who's not very secure? Someone who's proud and boasting all the time. You sort of trying to say, hey, look at me, I'm valuable. You can only have humility when you understand the value that God places on you, that, that God has gifted you for a, a purpose, that he loves you and calls you his child. And if you don't get that, you're always going to try to be proving yourself to someone in the world. But when we humble ourselves and we serve others, when we, when we live life uh, counterintuitively, then God lifts us up. And there's a great example from the Bible, and is Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and this is the time of year that we often think about that. Now, if I was going to do a survey, I'd do this in our membership class, is I know people come from all sorts of backgrounds. It used to be, uh, you know, a, a number, and we still find this, we have probably more, about maybe third, 30% of the church, where you come from another religion or no religious background. And then there's maybe from a, a Catholic or Orthodox or some version of Protestant. We have all these different backgrounds. And your background probably determines what you think about Mary uh, in the Bible. Now, I've only spoken on Mary one other time uh, as a pastor because there's so much misunderstanding and controversy. But I think it's important to get a clear idea. And what I'm going to do is not give you my opinion, no matter how wonderful my opinion is. And it is. Uh, because it really doesn't matter someone's opinion or tradition. What really matters, what does the Scripture say? What is the biblical record? Now, uh, uh, many of you uh, maybe don't know this, uh, but the Catholic priest in Redmond has uh, actually been one of my best friends for 30 years. We were fraternity brothers in college. <laughs> Think about that for a little while. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, so you ha have that. Uh, and we've made two pacts. Uh, one is to maybe agree to disagree when it comes to this area of theology. He loves Jesus. And two, to never tell what the other did during college. Those are the two things uh, that we've decided that we're, because we do, we have a different vantage point on this. And so I'm going to give you not only mine, but what I believe is truly what the Scripture says uh, about Mary. Well, she says this about herself in the Magnificat. Many people know that as a song of Mary. And, and we get some good theology in it, but also her personal perspective. She says, I am the Lord's servant. And so she views herself as someone who could be 
useful to God, someone who could be used by God. And not only did she give birth to Jesus, she was with him as one of his closest followers his entire life. Well, I think it's important as we understand who Mary is, is to understand uh, who Mary is not. Mary is not sinless. So um, there's, there's a doctrine, actually, it didn't come around until 1850. Most people don't realize, well, Mary was without sin. You know, uh, even our Catholic brothers and sisters, that wasn't part of their theology uh, for the first 1800 years. That, that sort of came much, much later. Uh, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And here's why I think we want Mary to be sinless. It's because we think, okay, how could God use someone who had sinned to do something so amazing? But you know what? The Bible is full of that. In fact, in the genealogy of Jesus, I'm sure not many of you had your Bible reading time there today. And if you did, you'll find four women there. Uh, very interesting because in, in ancient culture, women would not be included in a genealogy. And the four women who are, are there uh, all come from very varied backgrounds, of course, Mary, but there's also Ruth, who was a, a Moabitess, which was the sworn enemy of Israel, uh, considered very uh, unclean and unsavory, and yet God uses someone from that background. There's Rahab, a prostitute. And I think what that's all included in uh, Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, so we know that God will use all sorts of people, no matter what your background, no matter how deep your, your sin or your brokenness. We also know that she's not the mediator between us and God. Uh, now, we like this idea because sometimes we're afraid of God. It's sort of, we, we, view, we view God sort of like a junior high dance. You remember junior high dance? You don't? Any of you go to a junior high dance? Okay, you, some of you are still recovering from it. Uh, some of you, if you're, not, if you're not too sure about, you know, is there a heaven, is there a hell, go to a junior high dance, you'll be sure there is a hell. And uh, so it really, junior high dance where you would, you remember when you would send your emissary over to ask a person, hey, would you dance? And, and so, so that's how it is, is we feel like we need a mediator. But the Bible says this, for, uh, uh, for there is one God and one mediator between God and human beings, Christ Jesus. And so that's what I believe, is that you can come directly to God through Jesus Christ. That, that you don't have to, there's no go-between, you don't have to come to, to me, you don't have to go to uh, any of the saints, that you can go directly to God. And we also know that she is not a, a co-redeemer. This is interesting, this is actually very modern. Sort of the idea, well, Jesus was male, there needs to be a female counterpart, because in our minds, we can't conceive of a God who can think even beyond gender. Well, you know, God, God is, he, he can think of everything. He doesn't need our help very much, and he can think male, female, he can think beyond all the differences that separate us. But we know that there is one mediator that says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. So those are uh, the maybe various viewpoints, and I just uh, want to say that, and, and, and even as I'm talking to my friend Jim, who's the Catholic priest, I said, brother, you know that we are two-thirds of the way to a religious joke. And uh, he reminds me I come from a Jewish background. I said, nope, we're all the way there. And uh, <laughs> so, but really, it doesn't matter so much even that. I just wanted to give you what I believe is a biblical perspective, is how do we respond in the midst of that? 
How do we respond to God? Would we make it maybe a little less about us and more about others? Coming from a radical understanding of your value in Jesus Christ. Well, it means, number one, you need to keep yourself and God in perspective. That I know God is able to do, as it says in the Bible, more than I can ask or even imagine. That God, in fact, next week I'm going to do a message uh, as I talk about finding home uh, for skeptics, doubters, and curmudgeons. Uh, and, and you say, well, I have all these questions. You know what? God can handle them. He, he's, he, you, you don't have to worry about God's intellectual capacity. He'll do very well. Now, the question is, is, have I engaged fully enough, and I would say the vast majority of us have not, to understand the complexities that are there in God and the simplicity of God's path to Him? So, we're going to look at that uh, a little bit. So, uh, I understand that God is all-powerful, and I understand myself is that, that I have a need for God, that I have brokenness, that I need healed, that, that I have that I have a sin nature that says, I just want it to be all about me. And by the way, that is not, I, I'm not trying to just say, hey, we're all going to live on some commune out in Oregon together. <laughs> not, no offense to my friends in Oregon, but you're out there on the commune. So anyway, uh, I, what I'm saying though is that I find life my purpose by investing it in other people. And it doesn't come natural. We have this, uh, you know, if you don't believe in the idea of a sin nature, and, well, let me ask you this question. Do you remember when you were a kid, if you have brothers or sisters on Christmas, how many of you, when the presents were under the tree, that you picked up and saw who had the heavier present? How many of you counted the presents to make sure there was equal distribution of the wealth, you little communist? And... Uh, <laughs> And, and how many of you would say, and go ahead and raise your hand, it's okay, confession is good for the soul, it's bad for the reputation, but go ahead and you would say, how many of you ever as a kid opened and then rewrapped a present? Go ahead and raise your hand, be proud. Okay, ushers, will you look at these people when we receive the offering? Because uh, we have this idea is that if I don't get mine, then you can't get yours. And God is so much more expansive than that. And you know what? It, for some of us, it, it, we bring it into the relationship with our, our workplace, and uh, we can't help make others win. And by the way, you're never going to get promoted very well at work unless you can not only win, but help other people to, to win as well. And in a marriage relationship, we struggle sometimes because it's all about me getting mine instead of that we both win together. You can never win alone in a marriage. If you feel like you're winning, and you say, well, I finally got him to, or I finally got her to, if you ever feel like you're winning, the fact is the marriage isn't winning, and so you're not going to win. I, I learned this uh, very early on. My wife and I, for our honeymoon, we went to Sun Valley, Idaho. Uh, it was great, and it was, we, we did Bloomsday. Uh, I know we have a lot of people from different states, different countries. Any of you know Bloomsday, the race? Yeah, it's a, like a 12K over in Spokane, big, one of the biggest sort of fun runs that there was. And, and it was a time when I was running quite a bit, and my wife was as well. And so we thought it would be fun, first time as a married couple, we would do Bloomsday together. And so uh, we started out in the pack, and we realized that we were actually maybe 
uh, a little faster than where we were placed. And we started to move ahead and move ahead through the various groups, not to the top few runners, but really to, to that top big group. And we're running. I'm like, hey, we can do really well. And if you've ever run Bloomsday, there's this last part where you're running up a hill. And, and, and my wife starts to get a little bit tired, and I'm like, okay, all I need to do, I'm going to just run ahead of her. And I ran, and I got past her, and I felt like I was winning. And then I looked back, and she gave me a look. <laughs> I had never seen that look before, but in the last 27 years, I've seen it a few times. <laughs> and the idea, I knew, okay, I'm really not going to win here. And, and say, no, we need to win together. See, that's a different mindset. Mary had a different mindset. She had her plans. She had her priorities. But she also had an understanding of God's heart. And we read, and Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And, and so that begs a question for me as I keep myself in perspective is how am I doing? Where do I need to make some steps that are a little counterintuitive and humble? And, and can I propose this to you that you might ask the same question this season? Because I wanted to be beyond sentiment. I would hope that you would encounter God in a renewing, a new, a fresh way. So the question we need to ask God is, God, where do I need to humbly need to change? Where, where do I need to show up differently than I've shown up in the past? Maybe it's your time with God. It could be your time in church. It could be, uh, you know, you're going to go to a Christmas party, my guess, in the next few weeks, uh, a number of you at work. Maybe last time you showed up, you were a little bit judgmental of the people there, and, or maybe you, were, you had a little bit too much to drink or whatever. And, and will you say, hey, you know what, yeah, last year, I'm sorry, I was a jerk, or man, I got out of hand. And you know, there's something that happens when someone humbly admits that, that you have everyone's attention. Where would you need to change as you gather together with relatives, as you uh, approach God? We always think of the new year as a time of renewal, and I really think it is, but I believe it starts now. And then where do you need to invest? We invent what are the most important things to us? Usually our time and our money and our relationships. How are you going to leverage those during this season? Now, it's great. This has been a great season, great year for Timberlake Church. Even here on Thanksgiving weekend, which is traditionally a lower weekend, we've just had a great number of people on our campuses. But, you know, as we, as we come to Christmas Eve, uh, there's going to be a lot of people coming. We'll have a... a thousands of extra people. But you know, it's never about the thousands. It's always about one person. God is not impressed by crowds. It's about one person who comes to know or know again Jesus Christ. There's invites in your program. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I think it's so crucial. Do you know that Christmas Eve is the time, uh, according to those who study this, that people are most likely to go to church more than any other time of year, even Easter, that you would say, hey, I'm going to invite someone. Maybe it's a, a family member that you haven't talked to for a while. Maybe it's someone at the gym. Maybe it's someone in your workplace or your neighborhood or another friend or family member, that you would invest that relationally. And I know it's weird. 
In fact, I, I know many of you are here, you were invited by friends this weekend. Almost every weekend I get this, that someone was invited by a friend, they come up to me afterwards, and they say, hey, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I'm like, okay, I think that's a compliment, I'm not sure. Uh, but you're just saying, because it's not about pressure, it's about come and see. Because every Christmas season, there are people who cross a line of faith and say, God, I'm going to give you my heart. And maybe for you, it would be bringing someone or being that one where that would happen. We invest with our financial resources. Uh, interesting uh, thing for those, probably not many read like uh, the Journal of Chronicle of Philanthropy. Uh, but this is the first time in an, in an economic expansion that Americans, not talking about Christians, but Americans have actually become less generous, most prosperous and less generous. First time ever happened in our country's history where it's been recorded. And, and, and it's, it's pretty, according to that, that it's gone down about one and a half percent or so. Uh, and I think it's because we talk about it more, but we don't live the life of sacrifice as much. And you would say, hey, I'm going to invest. Now, Christ here's good news for Christians, uh, and this is not, you can go to any secular organization, Christians give more than any other group, by far, by far. And so, uh, even when you're including outside of the church. But I would say, uh, as you invest, Consider that this season at Timberlake. We're not, I'm not one of these people. Uh, if you ever go to a church where they're like, we're broke and we're going to close if you don't give, then let them close down. But here's what I'm saying. Jesus says, unless I, your, your, your heart is, is where your money is. And so I'd say invest. And I'm going I'm to challenge some of you to do that. Well, I don't like that. I'm going to another church. Okay, don't give. I don't care. But if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to make a difference, because only Christians can invest in God's work, other people can invest in all sorts of other things. I'm encouraging you to do that. And again, it's about, uh, about you. It's about all the, the needs that, that we help support. Another place that you can invest is through serving. So where you serve, uh, you know, so it's, there's three places. Our relationships, our money, and our service. What would it look like to serve others? What would it look like to maybe be the first one up from the table? What would it look like to find a place on Christmas Eve and you'd say, hey, I'll serve a service, I'll go to a service. What would it look like to maybe work at Acres of Diamonds, our partner organization for homelessness, or the Union Gospel Mission, another partner organization? And you say, you know, I'm going to live that life just like Jesus served me. And it really comes down to where am I going to grow? See, I grow when I live life when it's not just about me, when it's about others. And like I said, I naturally am not this person. I'm not, I, you know, I don't wake up Mother Teresa in the morning. I wake up me and I want my way and my agenda and my stuff. But really it comes to number two, take up your assignment. I believe that God has an assignment for every one of us. You know, here's Mary, this teenage girl, and, and she's going to be the mother of the Savior. But notice, she, if you read the Bible, she didn't stop her journey there. And many of us say, well, I did that. I went on that mission trip once, or I did that thing once, or gave that thing once. And she, no, throughout her life, she was about that journey of following God. And she says this, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. What is the assignment that God, or should I ask you, who is the assignment that God has for you 
during this season? Where's the one where you're going to show the love and grace of Jesus Christ? And it leads to number three, lean into the big picture. See, the big picture is where I understand the, what God is up to. See, there's a narrative, and, and that's one of the things I love about Christmas is we understand at least a starting point of the narrative. There's creation, obviously, but the starting point of Jesus and how he came into the world and so, in a way that's so complex and messy and yet wonderful, and that God works in the complex and the messy and the wonderful that maybe uh, for you it's to understand that with your doubts and with your struggles, that God, God's got that. God can work in that. God has God is, got it under control. Well, I'm worried about society. I'm sure we all are. But you know what? God can work in that too. That God will do his incredible work. And maybe there's a job for us to do. And maybe for us is understanding the big picture when things aren't going so well. You look around, you say, hey, I know this has been a great year for everyone else, but this is my first year where I don't have my son or my daughter or my husband or my wife. Someone's passed away, and it's a hard year for you. That maybe for you, it, you, you come in this season, and there's, there's not only a sense of hope, but there's a, maybe a bigger sense of loss. And understand the big picture that in those difficult times, that God has not forgotten about you, that God is not caught off guard, that God is wonderfully at work. The Apostle Paul says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For we know that all creation has been groaning in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And, and he gives that image of that even in our difficulty that God is doing his work. That, and, and uh, well, childbirth, if you've ever been around someone who has a child, a, you know, a one-month-old, and they're usually not talking about how hard childbirth was, right? They're focused on, what, I have this wonderful baby, and this is so great. And even though they're going through uh, all the, the difficulty, but it doesn't, in the moment, it's hard to see. In fact, if you're here and your uh, wife is pregnant, I want to give you a little bit of challenge. In the midst of her worst physical pain and discomfort, why don't you go ahead and read Romans 8.18 to her? Say, in comparison to the wonderful thing, and then duck, because she will slap you. <laughs> and Because here's the, here's, here's the truth, is when you're going through it, you can't see it. When you're going through it, it's all you can see. And, and my concern, and I got to tell you, my heart has been so broken about this, about people despairing, more people, you know, taking even their own lives, and, and you think of, with all that's going so much right in the world that we, we, we know that it doesn't have to do with that necessarily, but when it's in your heart and you can't see a way out, I've talked, we have people, leaders in education, politics, who are part of Timberlake, and I've been praying with them, because I think if we can get a bigger perspective, we can find hope. And if you're here today and you say, Ben, I'm struggling and I don't know if it's worth it, what I want to say is, I understand that, and your pain is real, and I understand that's all you can see, but there, there is more, and I know you don't feel it, can't understand it, couldn't believe it, but I'm promising you, and you just need others to come beside you and say, God, God has a plan, God has got this, and would you step into hope? See, that's why I believe one of the 
the most important things we do because evidently what society is doing is not effective, actually less effective than ever before. But when there's hope through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can say, I have a future. I've just heard story after story. I know people I've seen this weekend who wandered in. I, I remember one man who wandered into our Issaquah campus at the movie theater and, uh, and the way he said, this was it, this was going to be the last day of my life. And he said, and then I found hope. Another man who's just amazing, I don't want to call him out, but amazing life he's built on the other side of feeling like there was no hope. And if you find yourself there today, if you find yourself close to there, you need someone to give you the broader perspective of what God is up to. And you and I, we have an assignment, probably maybe more assignment, more important than any assignment that you will get at work, and that's to dispense hope. The Bible says this, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. I shared that I had uh, the opportunity to uh, speak to a, a group uh, a people, small group of people from varied uh, religious backgrounds, uh, from Hindu to Muslim to nothing to anti-religion, you know, religion, all, all of that kind of thing. And they invited me, and I usually don't go to these kind of gatherings. I'm pretty much in the lane of Jesus and, and helping people understand Him. But they wanted me to explain what Christmas was about. And uh, see, I didn't come from a religious background, so, so I shared with them the first time I heard about Jesus. And I showed them the clip of the Charlie Brown Christmas special. You remember that? Where Linus, actually that's no accident, Charles Schultz was a very committed follower of Jesus Christ. And in fact, he used the tool he had, his cartoons, to help people get somewhat of an understanding of God. And, and, and uh, Linus there, he explains from the Gospel of Matthew he, or the Gospel of Luke, I believe it is, uh, about the birth of Jesus. And I said, hey, now that you've heard about the birth of Jesus, now let me tell you the why. So I explained the story how Christmas and the cross are very intertwined with one another. And, and then at the end, because, uh, you know, people, I don't think they'd have an, an evangelical Christian really present to the group before. And I said, hey, I just want to say this. Uh, I know that Christianity is a big family. And like any family... Uh, there's always the crazy uncle, right? Or the crazy aunt. True? No, you don't believe it. Then it's you. Anyway, because uh, <laughs> let me tell you, it is true. See, uh, and I said, if one of my crazy aunts or crazy uncles gave you any other picture, then Jesus coming to earth is about you having a relationship with God, having you have your sins forgiven, finding purpose in your life in being set free, I'm sorry. Because ultimately, that's why Jesus came. And maybe for you, it's not about what you would share, it's about what you'd receive, even today. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.